If you're a Disney Plus subscriber and you're watching The Mandalorian, Jack and I have a podcast for you. Every week, we'll discuss the latest episode of The Mandalorian and talk about other great content and maybe some not-so-great content on Disney Plus as well. As two lifelong Star Wars fans, we have a ton of fun geeking out over all the little details of the show, and we want you to join us every Monday. So search for Disney Plus Reviews. That's Disney P-L-U-S Reviews. Hey, Phil, how about that, Baby Yoda? Baby Yoda says, What's the podcast? At Sif Pop. We're your movie friends. And our friends really friends. If you don't know them, so grab a popcorn. And head over to our row. So we can chat movies. Like friends do. There's always room for more movie friends. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to the writer's room. Hello and welcome to Sif Pop Writer's Room. I'm your host, Aaron, but not that Aaron, of course. And today I'm joined by Sif Pop writer Shane. Hello, everyone. Shane's been on the show before, um, one of the first episodes of Sif Pop Writer's Room. So it's been fun to have him back. And, you know, Shane's that guy that, you know, watches everything. And we'll definitely talk about that in a minute. How are you doing today, Shane? Doing pretty well. We write for SifPop.com for you movie reviews, best ever challenges, and other interesting movie-related articles. So make sure you check out the website SifPop.com to keep up with those. On today's show, we'll be talking about a coming attraction. Uh, well, we'll give our thoughts on a movie that's coming out uh, on uh, January 22nd called Our Friend. Uh, when we're done talking about Our Friend, we're going to talk about our Sif topic this week, which is TV catch-up because it's the third week of the month. And Shane is a bad man, so we'll have lots to talk about. Uh, we'll explore the B-plot, answering a question from Joseph this week, and we'll wrap up a spin-off, a quick recommend, or warn from each one of us. Uh, but first, let's get a chance to know our writer this week. Shane, you've already been on the show. Uh, we got to, a chance to know you quite a while ago. But uh, this is before we started asking this question. Uh, and Shane, what is your favorite movie and why? I'm going to cheat because technically this is three movies. But if you really want me to pick one, I will. But it's Lord of the Rings. And I remember going to the theaters and I saw all three Lord of the Rings films in theaters. The first one. My aunt didn't plan very well, and we had to leave with an hour left in the movie. And so I left that movie shortly after Frodo gets stabbed by a giant cave troll. Spoilers for a movie (laughs) that is almost 20 years old. I feel like Lord of the Rings is one of the most perfect films. As in, like, there's things that other films do might do better, but Lord of the Rings films are so well-rounded. These films were shot all together around 99, 2000, and the special effects still look great. And it's one of the most perfect fantasy films ever put to put to the screen. And I love every second of it. All right. So Shane is a man, man. And here we go. Like, if you look at Shane's letterboxd, he's only review. He's only uh, seen a thousand films, but like that is nowhere near the extent of what Shane's actually seen. Uh, and Shane only has two lists that are, at least that are public on Letterboxd. Um, so to give you perspective, it, Letterboxd says that Shane's only seen a thousand films, but he saw 473 movies in 2020. And that's just new releases. Shane saw five times. No, no. Shane saw 10 times more, many move, many more movies than I did. Almost 10 times, nine times uh, more movies than I saw last year. And last year was one of a, it was a big year for me. So Shane's already at 17 for this year, and we're recording on a Friday, so this will release Wednesday. He'll probably have another 17. Shane's going to surpass my total watch for um, for the year by Valentine's Day. So, <laughs> to Well, first I'll explain. So with my Letterboxd, it was actually some of the people at Sip Pop that are like, have you ever used Letterboxd? And like, no, I keep a spreadsheet. 
of stuff that I watch. And like, I have a spreadsheet with all the movies that I own. I keep a spreadsheet, uh, each sheet for each year. I've been doing that since 2016. So like I have all the new releases from 2016 to now and ranked, Mm -hmm. but like when I first went on letterbox, I'm like, Oh, I've seen this one. I've seen this one. I've seen this one. And then I'm like, you know what? I'm actually just going to use this for the new releases. Then I started doing that. And the funny thing is I've seen as of right now for 2020, 482, because some of them didn't even pop up on Letterboxd, which was <laughs> the strangest thing. But how do I do it? I am constantly doing things. And like, I'm not the kind of person to just sit there and... I know people who love to take naps. I know people who love to sleep. I'm not one of those people. And like, I don't take naps. I always try to keep myself busy doing something, watching something, reading something. It's what I do. And I love film a lot. And it would be really cool if I could do something with that for like a full-time job. But like, I do have my full-time job, which I do love as well. That's the challenging thing. But like (laughs) every day I... What I try to watch one new release and I get like six to seven hours of sleep every day and fill up the rest of my time doing stuff. Uh, one of the things that I wanted to to ask was, if I can, how does your girlfriend feel about like all this stuff? Because my wife is one of those that more that's like, I'll tell her what I'm watching. She's super supportive what I, of like me watching a ton of movies. She knows that's who I am. But it, it's more so like I'll tell her what I'm watching and she might join in. But she also is totally fine, like going to the other room and watching reruns of Criminal Minds or, you know, going to the other room and watching whatever new show she's binging or watching millions of hours of YouTube because that's that's her kind of thing. So mm-hmm. um, so like it kind of it's a nice balance of like she'll may- join in on probably a third of the movies I watch. I guess for me, it's like my girlfriend, Jess, is very supportive and uh-huh. will basically watch most things with me. Except for horror movies. It's one thing she won't watch with me. And she sleeps more than I do. So, (laughs) like, when she's sleeping, because, like, perfect example today, I woke up, I don't know why, but I woke up at 4.45. And I'm just, like, I didn't feel like running this morning because, like, I'd usually do that every morning. So Mm -hmm. I just hopped right on and watched a movie. And then I was done it before she even woke up. And she had work today. And so it's like, I watched two movies today, caught up on some shows. I didn't have work today, but like she will watch a lot of things with me and she just enjoys spending the time with me. She's not the most engaged viewer all the time. Like she'll be on her phone doing stuff and stuff like that. But like we've been stuck in quarantine together. We moved in together this past May. So like this is what we've mostly been doing. Very nice. Cool. Uh, hey, I have one uh, silly question for you before we get moving on to our friend. And that is, um, what is something that everyone looks stupid doing? <laughs> Come on, what's that first thought? What's, what what do you first thing that popped in my head is wearing fedoras. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I, I'll totally agree with you. Unless you're in a full suit, ideally a trench coat. like Unless you're Frank Sinatra. <laughs> you walking around in a fedora (laughs) like i don't know why that was the first thing that popped in my head it was that or i don't know why the ministry popped in my head (laughs) (laughs) well fedora is a silly like it's not a silly it's a it's a classic 
like professional looking piece of attire, but people wear casual clothes, casual modern clothes. Fedora is not one of those things that has transcended well into modern fashion uh, unless you dress classy. And yeah. Yeah. And like I've been known to wear three piece suits with vests and pocket watches. I have a pocket watch collection, but like, Oh, nice. I don't like, I'll wear a flat cap. Sure. But no, not a fedora. Not really my thing. I have a really big head and I feel like, and usually I have a lot of hair on my head too. So like that doesn't really work out very well. Right. Yeah. uh, I think my, uh, my answer is going to be anything with a selfie stick. I'm sorry. They've always been stupid. They've always made people look stupid. Look, it's to some extent, you just got to embrace it. Like to some extent, if, you know, if you're using a selfie stick, you know exactly how you look and you don't care. And like, I'm totally in support of that. Like you be you, you do what you want to do. You don't let anybody tell you just because you look stupid doing something not to do it, but you do look stupid doing it. So two thoughts on that one. It just reminds me of like the, the grabbers. It's just like, when did walking around with a grab, like a grabber that most of the time it's older people who can't bend over or people needing to reach something high up on a shelf and you walking around with your phone on it become hip. And <laughs> two, it just makes me think of, what was it Jumanji? Welcome to the jungle where mm-hmm. the one girl like wakes up, has a selfie stick and is like so particular about how she set herself is like, Oh, just woke yep. up. And it's just like, no, you didn't. You sat there for like 10 minutes trying to make this perfectly framed shot before you then took a picture and was like, yep. I'm awake. Well, let's move on to uh, let's move on to our coming attractions. Let's start talking about our friend. Uh, this is a, a movie that I didn't hear about until um, the movie that we were supposed to talk about today, Chaos Walking, got pushed back until March. And I was like, well, what else comes out this week? And I check out a couple things. And I'm like, this looks like probably the most prominent release. Let's talk about our friend. Synopsis for this movie is after receiving life altering news, a couple finds unexpected support from their best friend, who puts down a, who puts his own life on hold and moves into their family home bringing an impact much greater and more profound than anyone could have imagined. Now, Shane, look, obviously you see pretty much every movie that ever comes out ever. So at least I will put this through a filter of if I didn't, what would I do? So I feel like I have to do that sometimes when I recommend things to people. First thoughts to me, it's like never been the hugest fan of um, Dakota Johnson. Casey Affleck's not a name that's going to be like, oh, Casey Affleck's in it. I'm going to see this. But what was interesting is Jason Siegel's in it. And yeah. I'm like, where's he been? And I really enjoyed with the end of the tour where he plays Dave Foster Wallace. And it's just like, I was really impressed by him and I wanted to see him do more things. And then he just kind of disappeared. So mm-hmm. one, I'm excited to see Jason Siegel in a film. Watch the trailer. I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to be surprised by this movie. Don't know if this is going to be like an earth-shattering movie, but seems like there's some charismatic people in this film. There's potential for drama in it. I feel like my immediate feelings are I would catch a matinee of this. Okay. Yeah, I try to keep like price out of it when talking about anticipation level because like realistically, I don't know that I would go, you know, Thursday night showing, Friday night, anything like that. But like, I am excited that I want to watch it as soon as I possibly can. Uh, so for the sake of the scale, I'm going opening weekend for this movie, uh, okay. a little higher than you. I, I'm with you. I don't think this movie is going to necessarily surprise me. 
I mean, there's there's definitely some things if you've seen the trailer. I mean, you know that there's a character that's sick, or you know, hearing the synopsis, there's a character that's sick. Pretty sure we're gonna see her, that character die by the end of the movie. Probably. Um, it's, it's probably gonna happen. Um, we we're, there's gonna be some relationship tension with the friend that moves in and his partner, um, who is not with them uh, at the time they kind of hinted at that there um we're gonna see some terrific acting uh, i think casey affleck looks particularly good he looks i mean he looks like he's honing in his manchester by the sea days but like not quite as dark and gloomy but still kind of that same type of character oh if this turned out to be like the emotional level of manchester by the sea <laughs> yeah that's a movie that, that will devastate you i think this is a movie that's gonna make me cry and i do think and i think this is a movie that's gonna make me have some laughs I think that this movie is uh, is going to be a delight, um, which, mm-hmm. you know, given the subject matter, like obviously it will be a little bit more maybe maybe wonderful is the right word. Um, you know, given the subject matter, again, somebody's probably going to die. A main character is probably going to die in the movie. I, I think this movie is going to be wonderful, and I'm very excited to see this. Uh, we talked about some of the actors. Uh, I'm not a particularly big Dakota Johnson fan either. I, I mean, I've not seen the Fifty Shades movies. But uh, I think she's pretty good in Bad Times at the El Royale. And I think she's uh, really good in Peanut Butter Falcon. Uh, I, mean, I don't know that she's good in Peanut Butter Falcon, but I like her character. I don't know that she's doing anything special to that. I particularly love Casey Affleck, but that's because he's in two of, two movies that are on. One of them's in my top 10 and one of them's in my top 100 uh, with uh, Manchester by the Sea being in my top 100 and Gone Baby Gone being in my top 10. Plus all the supporting roles he does, you know. And I'm a big Jason Siegel fan. Uh, we also got at least just towards the main cast is uh cherry jones uh and okay. uh and Gwendo- gwendolyn christie most known for you know captain phasma obviously <laughs> wait uh, not no, no, no 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 captain phasma <laughs> <laughs> um yeah it looks like a um violet mcgraw i think that's tim mcgraw's daughter um i could be wrong about that but she played young nell in haunted the hill house uh, and she was in the doctor sleep movie playing violet so like She's got some pretty good connections behind her. Um, lots of other people that like, you're like, oh, I know that face. Written by Brad Ing- Inglesby. Recently did The Way Back. I know a lot of people are really high on that movie. I think it's a pretty good movie. Out of the Furnace from 2013, that Christian Bale one that I never saw. And Run All Night, that Liam Neeson one that I never saw. <laughs> um, and directed by Gabriella, oh gosh, Cowperthwaite, I think. Uh, probably most notably known for um, she did a, a movie called Megan Leavely uh, two years oh, ago. I did starring. see that with uh, Kate Mara in it. Yeah, but she's probably more known for a couple years before that. She did the Blackfish documentary that was insanely popular for two weeks. It got its yeah. two weeks. It did get its two weeks. <laughs> so uh, I mean, like some good talent both behind the camera and in front of the camera. Uh, and like I said, I think this is going to be just an emotional movie. I mean, it feels like an award season movie. I'm really excited to see this one, actually. It doesn't seem like a January movie, so I'm like, okay, I'll take it in January. Yeah. Because usually right now, just horrible horror movies and horrible comedies coming out in the middle of January. But we're right. in weird times right now, so. Well, so for the record, this is coming out January 22nd. This is going to be a theatrical as well as uh, on-demand movie. So I don't know if this is going to be the typical 1999 to rent. And like, I'm still not quite going to theaters just yet, but at the same time, I'm not going to pay 20 bucks to rent. We, you and I were talking a little bit about that before we started recording. Um, there's going to be very few movies that I do spend $20 to rent. Um, but if this happened to have like a rental sale for like 10 bucks, or if this happened to only be maybe like a $7 rental, like they typically mm-hmm. are, 
on Vudu, you know, once they once they're permanently released. Like I would, I would pay like 10 or less to rent this movie. Uh, I, I would maybe go to a theater, especially if I could go like, you know, on a Wednesday morning when nobody's there. I, I want to see this movie. Uh, I just very few movies are going to get me to spend that 20 bucks for a rental at home. I know I reached out for a screener for this. I didn't hear back. If I do wind up renting this for $20, it's going to be one of those like, <sighs> not happy yeah. about pushing that button for the $20. But like, there's a couple of them that I did over the summer that I'm just like, oh, I'm mad that I'm even paying 20 bucks for this movie. Um, but like some of them really surprised me. This, this doesn't seem like the kind of movie that's going to attract a whole lot of people to spend 20 bucks. But that's a nice thing. If you're going to watch it at home and you have other people to watch it, split the price. Well, so that's one of the things like when Black Bear came out, a movie that both you and I really enjoy. When Black Bear released, it wasn't a $20 rental. They had it. You could rent it for like $7 or you yeah. could just buy, buy it outright for about 15 And I just bought it because I'm like, if, it, if it's going to be, I could rent it twice or own it. You know, I'm just going to go ahead and buy it, especially a movie I'm really excited about. And so far as having really good reviews. And I don't regret, especially a movie like Black Bear, where I think you need to see a couple times. I'm really happy I pushed that $15 to buy and. Fifty dollars to buy is not anything for a new release, so um, I could see myself push it, pulling the trigger on if this was like a buy it for fifteen dollars. I don't think it will be because it's also getting a theatrical run. Yeah, but but they might do like a rental for seven or nine bucks or something like that. I mean, really, it's probably going to go twenty, but I, I would I would definitely do a rental for a little cheaper. I'm looking forward to seeing this movie. Honestly, it's a nice refreshing feeling to have like. This is this might sound weird, but sometimes it's just nice and refreshing. Like, I know these actors and actresses. This makes me happy because at this point, so many of the movies that come out are such so small, like such small films that I'm like, I kind of miss seeing some of my favorite actors and stuff like that. And like I mentioned, I've I've missed Jason Siegel. I really enjoy him in things. So I look forward to seeing him in this. Yeah, I I totally agree. Uh, I'm looking at Voodoo right now, and it looks like um, it has that home premiere label on it, uh, meaning it's probably they haven't they don't they don't show a price, but that's yeah. typically the the twenty dollar one. We'll see if Prime says anything. Is not wanting to show up. I don't know that Prime does stuff until it's available though. So usually they don't. They usually don't have information about it. Got it. So um, yeah, so that's going to be one of those that I think uh, uh, I'm ex- I'm excited to watch. Um, Man, I just hope it's not that twenty because I just don't see myself. I don't see myself doing that, but I do see myself getting to this movie as as quick as I can. Here's here's what I've been thinking about this a lot, a lot this last week um, is that I I don't have any sort of like technical film background. The only background I have in film is in terms of storytelling or in themes and things like that. And I I think it's okay that I don't like I don't really understand a lot of times when people talk about. Um, or I don't pick up on things that a lot of people talk about. Like, oh, did you see the way the camera moved here? It's like, the, yeah, it, it, it showed it showed me the thing. I'm more invested in like stories and characters. Mm-hmm. And I mean, for a comedy, like I just want it to make me laugh. I don't care. Uh, now you have you're every now and then exceptional something like Game Night that's also just directed very well. And you can see that. But it's because you've seen a ton of crap like Identity Thief and We Are the Millers and stuff like that. So I'm drawn to this kind of movie. I'm drawn to a story-driven a character-driven and emotional movie. Um, like this this is the kind of thing that's right up my alley that I feel like I have a lot of grounds uh, to speak on uh, because I don't have any sort of film background, but I do have a, a master's degree in you know emotional like spiritual stuff, but you know in in processing and in dealing with themes and emotions and things like that. So and coming from somebody who has a master's degree in accounting, 
obviously <laughs> that gives me a lot of background and a lot of this kind of stuff but like it's interesting because like i'm a bit of the opposite because like i love cinematography i love seeing how the camera works how something can be crafted in a way and like i could really appreciate an experiential kind of film mm-hmm. and like this seems like it's that kind of film sure and i'm and i'm totally here for it and you know i I wonder even like uh, you know because the the director got her kick uh, like her her big break on uh, on on Black Blackfish the uh, the documentary so I wonder if we're gonna see that kind of camera angle pull out here and and I feel like that's gonna be suitable for a movie like this uh, and I haven't seen Megan Legally or anything like that but I I don't know if that's an indicator for what kind of movie we're gonna get um, but I know The Way Back's a pretty emotional movie. Um, so mm-hmm. I, I feel like we're going to get that with here. I don't know about Out of the Furnace or Run All Night. My guess is no for both of those, but especially with the Way Back being a you know 2020 release and this being right around there, I feel like this is kind of a new a new leaf for for this writer and maybe found his niche or maybe people are asking him what do you want to do as opposed to like hey we got this thing you want to do it for us. Um, we got this Liam Neeson's movie right here. We want you to write this. Right. Oh, oh, it's a Liam Neeson movie. Yeah, so like basically we want him to do some actiony stuff. Like, okay, like so you have an idea for story. No, no, just somehow get Liam Neeson to kick people's heads in. Oh, okay, cool. Now it's what you want to do. Well, I want to do a movie about somebody dying and about somebody who comes to live with them to emotionally support them. Okay, yeah. And the fun thing is one week off, I could have been talking about the marksman instead. That's true. That's (laughs) very true. So... (laughs) Speaking of Do you have any other thoughts on uh on, on our friend? I'm definitely looking forward to watching it. I'm excited for some Jason Siegel, honestly. That's probably the biggest draw for me. Yeah. So he's one of those actors that I think is underappreciated in his variety because I mean he's been around for a while and uh, he was everywhere when he was still in How I Met Your Mother. But it it seems that when that show ended, you know, all of us I don't know if I mean, he should have still had a career, but like he was always a little bit more interested in doing some of those indie films. Like he was in uh, that like Our Idiot Brother, I think he was in that one, the Duplass Brothers. Um, I'm trying to think. No, no, he was like, in, uh, no, that was Paul Rudd. He was in Jeff Who Lives at Home, which was yes. a charming movie, mm-hmm. and um, and he's and he's really great in that. And so he did some he did some stuff like that. And of course, he also did things like The Muppets, which he's excellent in. And I love forgetting Sarah yes. Marshall. Uh, we can't not talk about forgetting Sarah Marshall. We'll talk about Jason Siegel. But I think I think he really loves to do some of these things. And we've seen glimpses of that in How I Met Your Mother. Like when Marshall's dad dies, we see he can be a really good, subtle, dramatic actor. Um, if so. you haven't seen the end of the tour, definitely watch the end of the tour. Haven't because... seen it. I guess I'm, I know what I'm watching later. So, But yeah, I just think that and Casey Affleck, obviously, we know can pull off the emotional stuff. Uh, and I'm excited to see it, but I think this is a, a super great leap forward for everybody in this movie, and I'm very excited to watch it. So with, uh, with that, let's move on to our SIF topic. Uh, we're talking TV this week. Uh, Shane, you were on uh, a while ago, probably probably a little bit uh, out of um, out of orders questions, but uh, you were on uh, in, in June last mm-hmm. year, kind of right as the podcast startup, I think episode three of all time. So um, I think, if my memory serves, your favorite TV show of all time is Lost. Yes. Awesome. Memory did great. Um, so so to give you an idea of what kind of shows Shane's into, lost. Uh, but uh, but what, what all do you have access to? What's the what's the stuff that your pool is from? Like what do you, you know, because here's, oh here's the problem with modern streaming service stuff is like 
half the time I talk to these people, it's like, well, you know, maybe the best show on TV isn't on something I pay for. And I don't have the budget to pay for everything. So um, well, there's and definitely going to be some stuff that we're missing out on. I definitely had to make some adjustments too, because the fact is I had more. Um, but like right now, it's like I have Netflix, I have Hulu, I have Prime, I have HBO Max, I do have Peacock, I do have um, Disney Plus, Apple TV Plus. With my Amazon account, I have BritBox, which okay. I love me some British TV. Mm-hmm. I'll watch we'll a talk lot about of British TV later. <laughs> I'm still watching through uh, Are You Being Served and Keeping Up Appearances. I used to watch that with my grandmom growing up. Okay. I have a lot of access to things. I did used to have some of the add-ons like Showtime and stuff like that but like i had to cut back on that because like i know there's some things out on showtime that would be interested that i would want to check out but like right now focusing on like the mainstreaming services and i try to watch a bit of everything because like if i'm gonna be paying for it i want to make sure that i'm getting something out of it sure. thing is netflix is a bottomless hole of just so much content that it's hard to keep up with mm-hmm. and it's interesting because it's like Obviously, Disney Plus has all their Disney stuff, and Hulu has some great content. Amazon puts a lot of, like, Amazon doesn't put out a whole lot of original content, but when they do, it's usually pretty high quality. And it's interesting with, like, HBO Max and Peacock, so many of the things that they're releasing is original content is, like, BBC stuff. And it's just like, well, Americans didn't know about this. Let's throw this on here. But I definitely have like a wide range of things. And the nice thing is with Hulu is that I can watch some of the network television when it comes out. So like I watch Bob's Burgers every week and it's on Fox, but it drops on Hulu the next day, which is nice. Oh, that FX combo with Hulu. Love it. It's, so, me- it's so good. Yep. Um, yeah, I, uh, I, I have uh, Hulu, HBO, Max, uh, Prime Video, Netflix, Disney Plus. I've been saying that for a while. Uh, the, I did make an addition, though, um, and it was accidental. I do have Apple TV Plus currently. Uh, it's because I did a free trial so I could watch Wolf Walkers and Boys State before the end of the year. And then I forgot to cancel my seven-day free trial. So I have Apple TV Plus um, for now. Um, and I do I, – this is uh, – I'll, talk, I'll talk about – a show later that uh, essentially I decided that for the whole like what's on your queue section, I'm just going to say, what have I added to my queue? And so I'll talk about a show that's on my queue, but I I am going to not in the future have Apple TV plus just because there's not enough content there for me to justify paying for it. Um, And I currently have a Apple TV plus screener app. So they give it to me for free, although it doesn't cover TV, just covers movies, uh, which is slightly sad, but I'll still be able to see Wolf Walkers, which is the important thing. So, Cool. So Shane, you already mentioned uh, some things. Uh, what? what do you, all right. So you 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 started talking about Bob's Burgers, the thing that you keep up on a week to week basis. Let's let's go there. What else are the things that you like? Really make sure like there's a new episode out. I gotta see it. Yeah, definitely Bob's Burgers up there. Presently, Apple TV Plus has some of their shows coming back, like um, Haley Steinfeld's and Dickinson, which is about Emily Dickinson. It's a okay. fun little show, and I enjoy it. The first season of it dropped all at once. And now that this new season came out, they're doing the week to week thing. So like, I'm going to be catching up with that each Friday servant just came back, which 
in my life, there's been times where I was a huge fan of M. Night Shyamalan. Mm-hmm. And there's obviously been times when it's like, I hate M. Night Shyamalan. <laughs> but like, I really enjoy Servant a lot. And they just brought back the season premiere for season two of that. So that's definitely something I'm keeping up with. And, you know, WandaVision just dropped. Excited about that. Mm-hmm. Finally filling that Disney Plus hole that The Mandalorian left because, oh, and I know I was talking to you before the show. Those are hard days trying to get through the day and not spoiling Mandalorian by the time I got done work. So I watch it. Right, right, right. But, uh, um, and like HBO is usually the thing that has regular content that I'm watching each week. Like um, uh, his Dark Material season two just ended re- relatively mm-hmm. recently. So that was something that I had been catching up with each week. Nice. Yeah, I'm not going to go ahead and go through my list. Uh but I will let people know when I think I added two things um, to my list. One is uh, it's always sunny in Philadelphia. Um, But it's it's one of those that like, because there hasn't been a new season out for a while, like I've never added it to my list of Mm -hmm. like, here are the things that I keep up on a week to week basis. And, uh, uh, but with it just being renewed for, I think three more seasons. um, I'm also like, when we're done with Batman, the animated series, I'm going to try to convince my wife to watch that show with me because I'm just dying to rewatch it. (laughs) We were, we were at a store. We were looking at the Funko Pops. We don't, I don't have a ton of them, but we collect some of them. And, uh, and they were all on sale. It was like the go games and calendars. And they had like an end of the year. So where like, everything's like 60% off mm-hmm. and, uh, and only some of the Funkos are excused. I was just looking and they have, uh, you've seen it's always sunny, right? Yeah. Okay. They have, uh, they have each of the characters from the, the nightman cometh. So, so, so I bought Frank as the troll. <laughs> <laughs> and and my wife's like, why do you want this? He looks so ugly. I'm like, because you wouldn't understand until you see it. And so I bought that one. And then I had to order off of Amazon Charlie as the day man, you know, in his nice bright yellow suit. I think I'm all, I'm through six seasons of Always Sunny. So like, that's so a show. Like, I, I try to keep a, like, I have a system for how yeah. I keep up with television. Yep. And like, I'll keep coming back around to that. But like, the show's hilarious. It's just so crazy and they're all despicable. And it's interesting because like Glenn Howard's also, I've been watching AP bio on Peacock. Yes. Oh my God. I love that show so much. So despicable, but like so fun. That show is just so weird. That show is going to be the one that's going to get me. I'm going to have to do a Peacock trial, but whenever they come out with season four, because it's been renewed for four seasons. I guess because I'll already have my free trial done, I'm going to have to pay for Peacock at least for a month because I got to watch AP Bio. So Between him and Pat Oswalt and just the yeah. whole class of students. The class is – the girl with the Coke bottle glasses is one of the funniest characters. She's so hilarious because she's always like super serious and super brooding and like always suggests the most inhumane things. And if you can out-inhumane Glenn Howerton, then <laughs> – then you got something going for you. And cause like between that and like I loved uh Mystic Quest, mm-hmm. the one where Max on, where he like runs this video game company on HBO Max I mean, it's on uh, Apple TV Plus. That's a great one too. And they even did like a quarantine episode where like the whole entire company's on Zoom together. Cause you know how many shows wound up doing an episode like that. Yeah. That yeah, AP Bio is a really interesting one, but like always, Sunny's great. Yep. 
I agree. You know, I've already talked about several of these. So um, Notable, I decided instead of, I have a huge queue of shows that I'm trying to watch. So I figured I'd just try to keep up on like what I'm adding uh, to my queue, um, what I hope to get around to eventually. Um, so the uh, AP Bio season three, I just mentioned that. It's been out since like September. Um, I think it like launched like right after Peacock did. I just, I need to get around to watching it. So I, uh, but I've been also trying to wrap up watching some other shows. So uh, uh, it's probably going to be the next like half hour show that I do. Um, mm-hmm. Actually, probably Ted Lasso, which is the other one because my Apple TV Plus is going to be ending soon. So Ted Lasso, yes. I'm, I'm hearing nothing but excellent things about. So I got to get me on the yes for Ted Lasso. <laughs> yep, got to get me on that train, uh, and then I'll probably do AP Bio. I'll do a free trial because there's only like eight episodes of AP Bio season three. So yes, mm-hmm. that'll be like a day and a half for me. Let's see. I've also added The Queen because I just keep hearing excellent things about it, and I just haven't seen it. But I don't know anybody that doesn't like that show. Except for maybe the actual royal family. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> so we'll, we'll, we'll see. Uh, we'll see if that actually sticks on the list uh, on the queue or if that goes away. Uh, I, I have the flight attendant on my queue. I haven't mm-hmm. seen any of that yet. but um, That's an interesting one. I never watched Big Bang Theory. So, like, I've never, like, honestly, the thing I knew Kaylee Cuoco more from was Eight Simple Rules. And, like, I know she was on Big Bang Theory for all those years and, like, she gets to do some stuff in this new show that she has and it has an amazing score. It has um like catch me if you can if you know the score for that kind of vibe. Yeah, like, oh, that's a fun score. Yeah. And it has some great mystery. It deals okay. with some heavy emotional things too. Was that was that John Williams catch me if you can? It's a good question. I feel I like I remember I have two other shows I'll mention quickly that I just added to my queue, and that's uh, The Night Stalker and The Ripper. Both of these are very recent, limited series, true crime on Netflix that I am uh, really hoping um, to get around to at some point. And because they are limited series, because they are only like four episodes each, there's a good chance I'll get around to them mm-hmm. soon. And I have one more that I need to mention, but you, we're, you're going to talk about it later. What about the shows that are on your queue? Some of the things that I've added recently, like I know we talked about AP Bio. I... Add very strong recommendations from my brother, my dad, and my stepmom to start watching Yellowstone, especially since it was on Peacock. And I'm a huge Taylor Sheridan fan. Mm-hmm. Like Taylor Highwater, Sicario, Wind River were some of my favorite films of each of those years. Yeah. So, like, and gravelly voice, tough Kevin Costner. It's pretty great, Kevin Costner. So, and I just wrapped up the first season of that. I've been trying to catch up with some HBO shows like Veep. I'm a huge fan of Armando Iannucci. And what I started watching, I think I'm through two seasons of Veep right now. And it is, it hits a little too close to home, especially now with politics. But it's so funny. And all the characters are ridiculous. And I'm closing in on finishing The Americans. I'm on Ooh. the fifth season of it. Okay. And so there's six seasons. So the last season is spectacular. I'm excited because like this fifth season, I'm a little more than halfway through. It's definitely one of the slower moving seasons. I feel like it doesn't have as much of like the spy kind of stuff that they do regularly. Like the first episode it did. And then it spends a lot more time on relationship building, yes. which is still good because I love these characters, especially after getting through four and a half seasons of the show. Right. But like getting to watch that on, um, it's on Amazon. Yeah. 
because it was on Amazon before the whole FX FX Hulu deal. Right. I watched it and, on Prime. I'd be surprised if it wasn't on Hulu though. Also. Yeah, but so there's that. One thing I so my girlfriend and I have a show together always, mm-hmm. and since we've moved in together, we've watched all of Brooklyn Nine Nine. I think that's what we were watching the last time I was on. I think so. Because I think I was watching it with my wife as well. Yeah. And then I got through all 30 Rock on Peacock. And now we're watching Friends, which I had never watched Friends before. Okay. And Friends is one of Jess's favorite shows ever. So so I have- We're burning through it on season eight already. (laughs) Oof. Okay. So a couple notes. Yeah. uh, Americans is not on Hulu. It's only on Prime. Um, also John Williams did do catch me if you can, we were right about that. Yeah. What do you think about friends watching it for the first time 30 years after it's airing? Because I know like a lot of the world was realizing that this show was very offensive to a lot of people, but it wasn't at the time. It was just the culture and you, yeah. you can't blame the show, but there's a lot of, there's a lot of, I, I sometimes just go out like re, uh, it, it happened before we got married. Usually a lot that we would just turn on friends. Uh, it was always a background show for us though. Um, and like, I'm, I'm willing to forgive things for coming out in a certain time. Like we have to understand, like this show would never get written the way it is today. Like NBC would never approve half the stuff. That, that is definitely true. But like, how, how is that experience watching it for the first time? Cause I, I could also see an argument for like, sure. But I mean, we're willing to excuse it's always sunny in Philadelphia, but part of it is it's, it's intentionally offensive. Yeah, because all of them are despicable. Yes, we're like, not supposed to, we're not supposed to root to for for them yeah. to to succeed at the end of the day. So here's some of my thoughts on it so far. One, if anything, probably the most offensive thing is dealing with weight. Mm. Like they're extremely mean. Yes, about like Monica being formally yeah. obese. Yes, and like. I grew up very obese, like from second grade until college. Unfortunately, I've packed on some pounds during all this quarantine stuff. But like in general, like that hits hard to me. And I'm like, it's really mean. And I think they go a little too far with it. And also as somebody who I'm not the kind of friend to like joke around making fun of my friends. Mm. And like, I don't like those kinds of dynamics and they could be pretty cruel to each other in yeah. this show. But what one of the interesting things is like, and this is definitely of the time, I'm just like, there's a lot of white people in this show. Yep. And like, this is New York City. Yeah. And I'm just like, where are all the people of color in this show? <laughs> and I feel like that's one of the things that stuck out to me the most is that if you made friends in 2020, this would not be like every like 99 out of a hundred characters would be white people. Yeah. At least, at least one of the characters would be African American and probably you would have maybe one, you know, like an Asian or a uh, Hispanic. Well, and that's an interesting thing too, because I was about like what popped in my head too, is along with the fat jokes, the homophobia. Yes. That, I mean, that's the one I know. I think people know most often because like, I was thinking like there probably would be a gay person in the group. And then, but the thing is the butt of the joke is it emasculates Ross because his ex-wife is a lesbian. Right. And they make a lot of gay jokes. It's like the, I know one episode I watched relatively recently was like Joey and Ross realized that it's really comfortable to cuddle on the couch and fall asleep there together. 
And then they were so like, like I'd be blind if I didn't have my share of cuddles in college, you know? I fell asleep on the couch with one of my friends before right next to each other. And yeah. it's just like, it's like, it's not a big deal. But like, they obviously make it a big deal because like, ha ha, funny. Right. But like, my biggest feeling, and this isn't about like how it is right now watching it, is like, I despise Ross mm-hmm. with a fiery passion. And I feel, I find myself yelling at the show because how much I hate Ross. And like, I do not find him sympathetic at all. And he's an ass. Yep. He really is. And like, I'm sitting there thinking like, he's one of those kinds of guys like, I'm a nice guy. Why is everything so bad to me? But I was like, but you're not a nice guy. He's not. Like every opportunity, it's like you act like a jerk. So me, me and my wife both agree. And this is a super unpopular opinion, but that, that if Rachel was going to end up with any of the friends, it should have been Joey. It shouldn't be. And you're like get in that arc right now where they're kind of playing the might be together or whatnot. Um, it's about like the season seven and eight and maybe a little bit of nine. Right. So I uh, somebody's pregnant. Got it. That's all I'm going to say for a show that came out like decades ago. Got it. <laughs> yeah. So um, sure. They've been playing the whole will they won't they with Ross and Rachel for a while. But like it's all in the way of Rachel's a whole different side of Rachel comes out when she's with joey um and it's a fun side and it's a side that she enjoys so it's a it's a side it's a side of her that she likes uh but also like joey treats her well ross is an ass and he treats her terribly again for a laugh for for the laugh track i know it's an unpopular opinion i could probably use it as a hot take this week i'm not going to because i have something i'm more passionate about uh but that i me and my wife both think that no rachel should have ended up with joey if she was gonna end up with another friend and i and i kind of like yeah, you're 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 finishing the show, so I won't I won't say. Like, I do not want Rachel and Ross to be together. Sure. Every time they even like hint at something, I'm just like, you deserve better, Rachel. Exactly. And, and like, if even if it was not necessarily her ending up with Joey, that's a better ending than her. Not, like, if she ends up you know single at the end of the show, that's a better ending than her ending up with Ross. Honestly, if I had to pick any of them, I definitely want to be with Phoebe. <laughs> <laughs> and. I feel like she opens up so many weird, quirky, and different kinds of stories to the show, too. Yes. Also, another thing I'm so surprised about is how many big-name people were in the show. Like, there's just a random cold open with Robin Williams and Billy Crystal in it, and I'm like... I mean, you gotta think, this was the most popular TV show in the world at the time that it was on, especially because it's like 4 through 10. So like that's mm-hmm. why you get a four episode Bruce Willis work. That's why you get your your Sean Penn, your Danny DeVito to play a stripper. Like, it's, <laughs> it's, you've gotten there, right? Nope. Oh, but I'm looking forward to that now. <laughs> I just got like I saw Gary Oldman in it, and yeah. like, Gary Oldman was in the show. And this might be an unpopular friend's opinion because like I really do like Chandler and Monica together. Mm-hmm. I think they're in, like a fun couple together, but. I wanted Monica to be with Richard. Sure. The fact that Joey and Chandler are so obsessed with being as like classy of a guy as Richard, like the whole, even as simple as like handing off the tip when you shake somebody's hand like that. And Richard's such a classy guy, even when he had one of my, honestly, one of my favorite scenes in the show is him and Chandler have a scene together like probably I'm guessing is the last time Tom Selleck shows up in the show, but I'm not done yet. So I'm not going to know that or not, but like 
they have such an interesting and classy and respectful exchange between two men fighting over the same woman. Yeah. And I'm like, Richard is a class act. <sighs> Tom Selleck. My next pick, because like this was Jess's pick, my next pick is Letter Kenny. Because I definitely mm. want to catch up on that show. Because That's not my cue. Like I need to catch up on the show. But cool. So what else are you watching? Presently, what I've been watching, like obviously, like <laughs> The Mandalorian right was a thing so last and, time so last time we recorded it was right after the robert rodriguez ep- episode uh the rescue so there's two episodes still that i have yet to say anything about oh my god because like here's the thing after that first season and i'm like they did such a great standalone show that didn't need to rely on really much of anything from like the films and it was so impressive and I'm like, I don't think the Mandalorian needs that. And then I'm watching the second season of Mandalorian. And I'm like, they might not need it, but I love it. Yeah. <laughs> and, and they do it so well. Like Dave Filoni and John Favreau have the finger have their fingers on the pulse of Star Wars fans. Yes. And they're delivering great stories, which I know a lot of people. This is a, this might be a bit of a hot take, but like I was getting annoyed of hearing over and over again. I'm like, this was a throwaway episode. I'm like, just because a show is serialized doesn't mean episodes are throwaway episodes. Well, and like, if you, I mean, if you watch what shows are they watching that 90 percent of the episodes are throwaways, you know, your, your CSI, your even your criminal minds, the uh, like even shows uh, supernatural was was that for me for a while. Uh, it was a creature of the week kind of show kind of thing, right? Right. Well, and even when they when they tried to do more like season long arcs, eventually they always wrote it into the season where they're like, and eh, we can't do anything. So just go just go do a creature of the week for like four or five episodes. Well, and that's the thing, because like that's the shift in television right now and shows is because there's some shows that feel like it's just one long movie cut into pieces. Yep. And it just picks right up and like TV doesn't have to be that way, but I think binge culture yeah. has gotten to that point. And like, I'll admit, they fell into a formula for most of the second season of The Mandalorian. It's like, thing happened. Traveling to another place. Get to a place. I have a mission for you. Traveling to another place. I have a mission for you. Right. And like, I was fine with it because I enjoyed it the hell out of every single episode. And like, there's maybe one episode that I feel like I didn't love. I just enjoyed and it was like the ice spider. Yeah, episode. I would agree. That's the weakest one of the season. But like the rest of them, like I really love this well, show. And not only that, but especially we're talking season two uh, of the Mandalorian stuff. So spoilers. But like if you're ta- if you're if you're doing even sort of that, like let, let's call them side quests, right? Mm-hmm. Um, side missions You know, you, to get to here. You got to go do this first. I got a task for you um, and, and you can go do this. But like. Especially in this season, it's like, all right, here's your side episode. Well, your your side episode is you gotta go help Ahsoka Tano fight some samurais. And like, yo, know, you gotta go meet up with Bo-Katan, and Bo-Katan is like, hey, we gotta do some things, steal, like, take over this freighter thing. And like, the very first episode, like, you go meet Timothy Oliphant, and it's like, man, I love the guy. Like, he's one of my favorite actors working. And, you know, if his thing is, you know, you gotta go help me defeat this giant worm thing it's like i don't care because we're with timothy oliphant wearing the boba fett stuff like well and fighting this giant 
giant thing. And I'm just like, the special effects for this season, like the budget on this. And I'm sitting there like, well, I'm like, I hope the worms and Dune look this good. Right, have you seen the the Disney Gallery Mandalorian of season yes. two? Okay. I thought this was excellent because you talked about how excellent it was. So I, me and my wife watched it after we watched season one, right at the start of season two. And it was excellent. You're absolutely right. Um, and this one was also great too because they were talking about that giant worm and how like at the very beginning of uh, one of the original trilogy movies, there's just a, a, a giant skeleton laying in the sand. And like that's the inception for that thought. And like that's the passion that these people put into so they're like, all right, so let's take this giant skeleton. Well, what could this have been? And like, all right, so we're going to reconstruct this. But how do we make this feel like a huge threat? Like that, you know, they would need this whole village of of people as well as the same people to help them. Well, how about we only ever see like a quarter of it? Like, okay. And and them doing the study on how the ripple effects would work in the sand. And like, oh, that was a very fascinating hour. I do wish I had more. Like, I wish they did it a little bit more serialized and sort of thematic as opposed to just an hour. So I, I wanted them to get, you know, we already said spoilers. I wanted them to get the person that did the uh, the motion capture for Luke and have him talk for a while. Mm-hmm. Also, the, I th- I do I also think that the Robert Rodriguez stuff was the best. I growing up as a Star Wars fan, a lot of people are like Boba Fett's a badass, and I'm just like, what the hell did Boba Fett do? Uh-huh. Like nothing. I mean, a lot of it's and, extended universe stuff. Yeah, and like I like growing up, I didn't read a whole lot of the extended universe stuff, so it was mostly the movies. And I'm like, why do I care about Boba Fett? My oof, oof, Robert Rodriguez made you care about Boba Fett. And are afraid of Boba Fett because he wrecked those stormtroopers oh, yeah. in a brutal and like somebody described him. They're like, he's like the John Wick of Star Wars. And I'm just like, now I know why he was such a feared bounty hunter. Yep. If he could do stuff like that. Well, and, yes. and hearing Robert Rodriguez talk about how everybody talks so much about Boba Fett, but we need to show him why people were in love with him back in the day and why we got to prove that he should have been this biggest threat. And he made that little, the video with the toys in, in the backyard with his kids. And like, that was just such a delight. And, and hearing him, yeah. man, hearing John Favreau talk about filmmaking, I could do it all day because it, the scene where with Bryce Dallas is directing and they're talking about the ship um, with the Bo-Katan episode. And they're like, well, we're going to need a crane. And Favreau's like, don't shoot anything that you couldn't physically do. So the, okay, well we'll scrap the crate. And it's like, but that scene feels so much more realistic because they're filming from ground level, not a crane. What a simple filmmaking technique that adds so much extra. Don't film anything that you can't practically do. Like I've seen some like, well, there's just way too many things coming out from Star Wars. It's going to be oversaturated now. I have full confidence in what John Favreau and Dave Filoni are doing right now. So you know I'm watching every single one of those shows that are going to be coming out. As long as and, either of them are attached to some property, I have faith. Even if it's just a producer. I'm sure they're both producing Obi-Wan. As long as they're somehow involved. I mean, same with, like just like Kevin Feige is with the MCU. If Kevin Feige is involved, we're good. As long as they're involved, I'm here for it. Well, and I think that might have been what Star Wars was missing compared to Marvel. Like if you're just thinking about in the Disney sphere, because like a lot of people have been very critical of Kathleen Kennedy. Mm -hmm. If Jon Favreau and Dave Filoni take the reins of Star Wars moving forward, I think we're in good shape. Because like I've actually been watching because I had never watched Clone Wars or Rebels before. 
Mm-hmm. And now I'm two seasons into both of them. And it was so interesting watching that and watching The Mandalorian at the same time and just the layers that it adds to it. Because, like, actually getting to see <clears throat> Ahsoka, I haven't gotten to a place with Bo Katan yet. She's not until show. much later. Uh, I think yeah. season five. But, like, what was really interesting is, like, what the Previsla. And it's and it's John Favreau voicing him, yeah. and I'm just like, oh wait a minute. <laughs> and then like him and Katie Sackoff have that moment in the behind the scenes gallery mm-hmm. of like they were both Mandalorians in Clone Wars, and this was the first time they ever saw each other in person. Yeah, and having those moments, but like I think Dave Filoni would happily be the next you know kevin feige for star wars i i don't know that john favreau wants to be tied down to anything i mean because he's done marvel stuff in the past and he's done um uh you know now star wars stuff and and i mean i think he'd be totally fine with sticking to the disney brand but chef show like he wants to stick around to 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 doing a lot of this stuff he wants to stick around to uh, i think being able to do small passion projects uh every now and then and oh i love chef that just yeah. dropped on Netflix. So yep. I know some people have been checking it out. Yep. And like Jungle Book. Yeah. I love Jungle Book. That's by far my favorite of these live action Disney films. Yeah, like me- I'm interested to see what John Favreau winds up doing. And like we're I know we're getting a Taika Waititi Star Wars film. Mm-hmm. And apparently we're getting a Rogue Squadron film from um Patty Jenkins. Patty Jenkins, which that's been an interesting situation. I know we're talking about TV, but Wonder Woman. Right. Well, hey, uh, I'm going to use this as a jumping off point because we could yeah. talk about Star Wars Mandalorian all day. Um, but you mentioned, sure, Clone yeah. Wars. you mentioned Clone Wars and Rebels. Um, I, I've been making progress on Clone Wars now. Um, what here? Here's how I have to get through Clone Wars because I, I watched every episode of season one. I thought it was just not good. I thought it was just okay. But I'm like, I know this show is eventually going to get to that point. Uh, and so I eventually skipped ahead um to like the middle of season three what i was told this show gets good and kind of it has a it has good arcs but it also has bad arcs so the way i have the way i have to watch the show is i go to the imdb scores and anything that is significantly higher than the standard that's what i watch um so i have to bounce around and sometimes that means i miss like 13 episodes in a row but like if i watch those 13 episodes i know i wouldn't like them um, and so it, it's, it's just the way it is. Uh, and so I'm in the middle of season five now. So, I mean, it's not a spoiler to say Darth Maul comes back. So I'm, I'm at the point where Obi-Wan is fighting Darth Maul. Um, so, so, that, so that's kind of where I'm at. And then I'll watch Rebels and I might have to do the same with Rebels. We'll see. I'll, I'll try to watch every episode. I, I feel like Rebel, like I'm through two seasons of both and I've watched every episode. I feel like Rebels to me was more consistently good. Sure. And entertaining through two seasons. Also just got up to the point where Darth, Darth Maul shows up in Rebels. Um, but like... I'll probably try to do every episode of Rebels, but we'll, we'll see how I actually feel about it when I get there. But And I'm going to watch every season of the new Clone Wars, the, the final season. Mm-hmm. So. I um, There's definitely episodes of Clone Wars that were really cringy. Yep. And they definitely had some really bad kid humor. Yes. With especially the droid, the battle droids. I'm yeah. like, God. Yes, I hated the battle droids. So anyway, it's, I promise that stuff does get better, but still, it's it's all about stories and 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 arcs. And 
I gosh, a lot of the a lot of them I just don't care about. But there's there's some really good ones. So uh, I am making some progress on that. I do have um, two shows that I have to mention that I have dropped since uh, since last recording, and it's going to be Lovecraft Country and Future Man. And uh, look, these just aren't my shows. Um, mm-hmm. I really wanted to like them. I thought season one of Future Man was okay, but I was hopeful. Um, because, but I just didn't like the direction that season two was going at all. I probably got halfway through it. And I'm just like, I don't, I haven't liked a single episode this season. So this is just a show that I'm just going to have to be like, it's not for me. Um, so I, I did that and same with Lovecraft country. And so here I used to be watching Lovecraft country and, and raised by wolves. Um, very, very sporadically, very like I might pop one out. And I did, I finished raised by wolves first. Cause that was the one I was least excited to see. Um, and I finished it. I'm like, it's okay. It's not, I'm not picking up season two for that show though. Um, and I talked about that last, uh, last month with Vincent, but, um, you know, I, then I started watching Fargo finally, you know, when you recommended Fargo to mm-hmm. me a while ago, I finally watched Fargo and gosh, I could not stop watching season one of Fargo. It's excellent. It's so stinking good. Um, now I, I decided to do what you're doing for a while, where I'm just going to watch one season at a time because I also want to start watching. Uh, I also started watching The Sopranos, so got a couple. I've been watching that. Wow. Okay, so, um, so after I was never excited to watch an episode of Raised by Wolves after like episode three or something, and I just wasn't excited to watch more Lovecraft Country ever. So I just decided if I'm not excited to watch a show in the same way that I am Fargo, then why am I watching the show? Mm-hmm. Like if I so so I just dropped Lovecraft Country and same with Future Man. It was kind of the same thing in Clone Wars. I'm excited now that I found the rhythm of you skip ahead and you watch the good arcs. So um, so I did drop Lovecraft Country and I did drop Future Man. Uh, but I've already talked about Fargo. Man, Far- Fargo season one is so excellent. You're so right. I was hooked from from the episode one and i gosh there's some really great episodes in there it, it's close to my favorite standalone season of all time i don't have like a ranking of that but yeah it would definitely be up there and uh and i mentioned sopranos how far are you in sopranos i think i finished second season of sopranos for me it's so interesting watching this as an italian american from new jersey <laughs> like i'm like i'm from south jersey so I'm like, I'm not like North Jersey, New York kind of Italian American. I'm more like most of my roots are in South Philly mm-hmm. kind of Italian American. But like, it looks at things that a lot of mob films and shows don't look at. Like the whole entire center of the show is like Tony Soprano has some things he needs to work out. Yes. And even the fact that he's seeing a therapist and stuff like that at the core of the show is so interesting. Like there's even just with one off episode with Christopher being like a consultant on a movie with John Favreau. <laughs> and I'm just like, this is interesting to watch. And I wasn't expecting that. And I like, I know the feelings a lot of people have about like the ending of the Sopranos, yep. but like, I think it's cause like, I'm trying to think how many like mobster TV shows do you have? But like, this this is something special. I really like The Sopranos. I mean, another HBO one, but Boardwalk Empire. Um, I'm through one season of that right now. It's on, it's on my queue. Um, the farthest I got in Sopranos so far is um, uh, I watched the last episode. I watched was the one where Tony is having 
is starting to have intimate thoughts about the therapist. So it's like six or seven mm. episodes. Or, may, or maybe either the episode before or after it was the one where Tony's kid um, steals the communion wine and gets drunk at the, at the school. One of those two episodes. So I'm like halfway through season one. So I'm still not familiar with all these characters and their roles. Um, the next episode I have to watch is the one where they go to the wedding and they find out they're being indicted. Mob and the, and the FBI. Right. So like, <laughs> I, I'm hoping that maybe the indictment would help me get a little bit of history, a little bit of like how this is. And you know, the last episode I watched also has Tony discovering that his dad was a in the mafia. And so kind of you get young Tony Soprano. So like, yeah, I, I'm still not familiar how all the pieces are moving, but I'm enjoying seeing it. I'm enjoying, especially this is mafia, but it's not ultra violent. There's been very few fight scenes. There's been very few anything. It's, it's a lot about literally organized crime. I don't know if fight scenes are going to come and, and all that. And I know there's going to be bloodshed. And there's going to be people that die. And there's going to be gang wars. Like, cause you know, it's a mob show. It's got to eventually get there. But I, I, I appreciate how this is trying to set up, trying to set up a world that I, I don't quite fully understand yet, but I don't know that we're supposed to have a full picture yet. And it's, it's interesting being an Italian American and growing up in the area that I did. Not gonna lie. I have family members that were in the mafia and like I'm not making a joke like I actually have. Like I've sure. seen them talk about some of my family members on the news. Sure. And it's it's so interesting because what Sopranos captures is like it's all I'm gonna make a fast and furious reference. It's all about family. <laughs> um like it is. It's about family and those family dynamics and the family politics in the show are really like they capture what Italian families are really like. And it's like there's a, there could be a lot of tension and then can't even imagine throwing in like there's a criminal aspect of this whole family life and stuff like that. So mm-hmm. it's very interesting. It makes me miss James Gandolfini. Yeah. But I'm looking forward to continue watching The Sopranos. I agree. I hope I'm probably going to try to watch Many Saints in Newark pretty. I, I don't know. Maybe if I will. Maybe I'll try to get through all The Sopranos because well, but it I just got like delayed. It did. I think it got delayed to the fall now. Okay, well, that would be a little bit better because as last yeah, time, time. Came out in March, so like I, I was, but I also don't know. I mean, especially now that I've gotten the young Tony Soprano, I feel like I could get one through one season and maybe be able to watch the movie. Um, so I'll probably just have to, have to wait on reviews and see where I'm at at that point. But uh, I'm kind of I'm I'm gonna try to do what you did. So when I finish Soprano season one, then I'm gonna do a different season, and then I'll go to Soprano season two, probably Fargo season two, and then I'll do Soprano season two, and then I'll do Fargo, you know, and I'll kind of like bounce back and forth. Um, and I feel like that's a good way to do, you know, especially Sopranos is well seven six A and six B, but seven seasons of um, of TV to get through. Um, so kind of breaking it up might be might be good. Um, so I'm going to try to truck through some of the rest of these that I have here. Um, let's see. I've watched, uh, been watching Batman, the animated series with my wife. Some notable episodes that we watched were almost got him, which is probably the it's man top three of the best episodes that were ever on that show. Uh, the one where they're all about you know, sitting around a card game and they're like, here's how I almost got the Batman. Let's see. There was the one where Batman think like retires for a night. And then his course, and uh, obviously, like he's questioning whether or not he should even be Batman. This show is awesome; it's really good, and I, I just I love exposing my wife to it. I think it's great. Let's see. Uh, I've also I've been going back to the gym a little bit more, so I've been watching Atlanta's Lost and Missing Murder Children. This is a five part docu series. I watched parts three and four since last time mm-hmm. recording. It's fascinating. I'm excited to wrap it up. I was hoping to have it wrapped up by now, but I haven't been to the gym recently because of 
uh, time commitments elsewhere. So there's that. Uh, I'm still keeping up with This Is Us, which I love that show. Oh, I just finished season two. of. Is that – all right. So season two, and I feel like I can spoil this. Season two is the season where Jack dies. Like you see it happen. Okay. Oh, my how, God. How surprising is it that that was not the emotional, most emotional moment, even of that episode? Because <laughs> that's the episode that you're also – for the first part of that season, you're following um, a young boy. And you think that Randall's going to be adopting again or Randall's going to be fostering again. You think that's what's happening for, for pretty much the whole first portion of that season. And that same episode, they reveal that, no, this is actually the future, and Tess is a foster agency worker now. And it's like, that was the... That, how is it that the that the episode where Jack... We finally see Jack die. How is it that that was not the most emotional... That episode made me cry three times. You know, I remember sitting watching that episode and just being like, I didn't take a moment, because... Yeah. <laughs> like, oh... I, I, I am current I, with it, um, and... I, I will say that season three and four dip a little bit in quality, even season five, which is only at a couple episodes out. You know, it's not like anywhere near as good as the first two seasons, but it's still really good. I'm surprised they pulled the trigger on that particular storyline only in the second season. Like, well, giving I don't you get a little bit of glimpses of the future, but it's not as much as you might think. And I don't know how much we've seen of. So oh, um, to clarify, I meant like seeing the father, like actually seeing him die. I wasn't expecting that to see that in the second season. Well, it's because you'll get a lot of flash. Well, you finish season two. You still get a lot of flashbacks of him when they are younger. Um, yeah. And you get to see the mom. What's her name? Mandy Moore. <laughs> yeah. Mandy Moore. You get to see her kind of wrestle with losing, with, with being a widower. That um, makes that makes sense because, like, I would have thought they would have milked that longer. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, they're still, like, they still having quite a bit. Oh, they also starting in season three. They do go back to uh, Jack and his wife, uh, kind of before they're married and before they have kids. They do a lot okay. more of like pre kids. Uh, Jack and I was hoping saying Jack um, might help me remember her name. <laughs> I liked uh, somebody there like the episode where like <laughs> Sylvester Stallone was in this show yeah. as himself. <laughs> Yep, and I'm like, that was a pretty special episode. I'm like, I wasn't expecting something like that, but well, like, I mean, it was because uh, Milo Ventimiglia pulled a pulled some strings from Rocky Balboa. Um, like that, that made sense to me. Like, of course, because like he was in Rocky and stuff like right. Rocky Balboa, and very, 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 very briefly, I guess in Creed two, he popped up there. I had no idea. In terms of like, I'm enjoying This Is Us, <laughs> and. I keep expecting this show to just be really melodramatic and soapy, but it's not. And it hits and I'm just like, I mean, it kind of is. I'll, yeah, I'll I mean, say, I'll say the characters, especially like progressing through season four and in season five, get more incredibly frustrating because you think you're finally done with a character dealing with an issue and it's coming back, but it makes sense why it's coming back. Um, but, but sometimes it feels like a repetitive cycle. Nobody's ever content in the show. But in the same way, I mean, are people ever really content in life? Um, or like maybe Kevin is content for a hot second, but but his his brother and sister are not. Uh, and so like n not everybody is ever content at one moment. And I, I don't know. I feel like sometimes it feels forced and sometimes it doesn't. And God, by the time you're at where I'm at, 
I don't know how many more tragedies they can put this family through because I mean, you got, you got racial tension, you got adoption, you've got um, loss of a child and childbirth. You've got um, foster parents. You've got struggling with raising a black child in a white home. Um, They're, they're dealing with, um, with death in in several different kinds of ways. Uh, They're in all the things that get brought up, uh, I think you've been aware of this, but like season three does some some Jack in Vietnam stuff. So they bring up some postpartum, dep- uh, some some post traumatic stress disorder stuff. They bring in alcoholism. I mean, alcohol is a part is already there. Like alcoholism, like there is not a single. I don't know that they've dealt with drug addiction yet, but like a character deals with sexual trauma in the past, and another character deals with sexual trauma in the past that had to lead to an abortion. So like, how much more trauma can you put one family through? <laughs> I I like to call this the revenant effect <laughs> because the revenant is a beautiful film and really impressive. But I was sitting watching the Re- revenant and just being like, this man was almost mauled to death by bear. His son is killed. And then this happens. And then this happens. And then this happens. And then this happens. And I'm just like, after a while, I'm just like, you throw them off a cliff. And I'm like, how many more things can you fit in this movie to do to this man? Yep. And like, I use that as like a way when I'm talking about like a show or a film where I'm just like, after a while, it just feels like too much. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Um, let's see if, let's see how fast I can go through these. Um, we talk, I said, we talk about British television. Uh, I've been watching the goes wrong show. Uh, it's on prime. There's only six episodes, so it ain't much. Um, but mm-hmm. it's really funny. A lot of the jokes are the same. They play a lot of the same jokes, like especially anytime they have a transition where the lights go down. And then, you know, people are supposed to be moving things. Of course, the lights always come on early and then in the middle of something. So they do do some of the James, same jokes, but it's just creative enough. And the actors are so good doing what they're doing. If you haven't checked out Goes Wrong Show, 100% would recommend that. The My favorite episode is the first episode on Prime, which they're out of order. Um, but mm-hmm. it's called the lodge. It's my favorite. It made me laugh so much. So really enjoyed that. Uh, big mouth season four dropped on Netflix. So, you know that I binge that in like a day and a half and I don't know how the show manages to keep getting raunchier every season, but it does. And I feel like it's one of those shows that I, I don't feel like I can watch in front of people. Cause my, my wife has sometimes watched like pass by as I've been watching it. And she's like, what the hell are you watching? I'm like, I don't know, but I love it. <laughs> And that that's an issue, like what you brought up about this is us, like how many different things they could do to this one family. When I'm thinking of Big Mouth, like how many relatable and hot topics and issues can they possibly take on in the show? But they keep doing it. Yep. That one episode, like future episode, yeah. I'm like. They're getting ambitious with the show. And then right. they made a meta joke about it at the beginning of the next episode. It was like, right. you know that whole episode where they didn't even have us in this? <laughs> it's like... Yeah. Uh, speaking, speaking of adult animated shows on Netflix, uh, I watched F is for Family season four, finally. And I also love this show. I, I think this show is progressively getting better each season. The, the humor is hitting me just right. Um, I, I And that's coming to an end this year. I think they announced this next season is his last. That feels about right. That feels about right. Especially with Bill Burr doing, you know, King of Staten Island and Mandalorian things. I think his career is going to do some, 
some pretty fun things. But like, there's even a joke in like the second episode, the first episode, I think, where his dad says something like, you know, I'll throw you down a well. And he's like, he goes to confession and he's like, you know, that's why I changed it through. I'm going to put you through this wall where he's, where, you know, you've already heard him say, I'm going to put you through that freaking wall, like nearly every episode. And it's just like, so I changed it from, I'm going to throw you down a well to, I'm going to put you through that wall. Cause there's always a wall. And <laughs> it's so funny. Um, I've also been watching Impractical Jokers starting from the beginning because I used, this used to be my go-to like back when I had cable, it's always mm-hmm. on true TV. So yes, I'd always, is. I'd always have it on. Like, especially if I'm just like working on something in the background or like, I only have like 15 minutes, um, but I don't have cable anymore. I have on Hulu, but the episodes are on HBO Max and they're edited down if you watch them through Chromecast to where you don't have the stupid like pause at a big moment and then they do got to do the recap. Like it's edited down to be only like 18 minutes and it's just, it's smooth and it's, it's the best way to watch the show. And that makes me really happy. It's, I remember watching the Impractical Jokers movie and being like, this is not a good narrative movie, but sure, I'm, I'm sure laughing yep. watching this. Yep, I agree. <laughs> um, I've also been, uh, I've, I've watched the first half of the We Are the Champions series on Netflix, and I like this show. Um, I don't know that I love it, but um, some episodes are great and some episodes are not. The cheese rolling one and the chili eating one are both great, but the fashion one is not. But I'm excited to watch the rest of these, especially dog dancing, because what the crap. And then uh, I'll talk about the euphoria and the special. I I went ahead and did euphoria, I think right before Fargo, because the special was coming out. And yeah, is Zendaya the best working actress in TV right now? That special episode, it was one of those moments I'm like, how long into that episode did I realize this is what this episode's going to be? And sitting there and the two of them just sold that yep. so well. And like when they talked about they were going to do these specials, I'm like, what's it like? I'm imagining it's like going to see her as like, it's the aftermath mm-hmm. and just sitting there and letting it all out. And yep. she's fantastic. She really is. Gosh. I mean, she won the, Best actress for a primetime television series last year. She's already got it in the books for next year as well. I I think she's the best actress working on te- working in television right now. I think everybody in the show is doing some really great stuff. I think the story is taking some interesting places. Probably my favorite character, the one I want to root for him most, is Fez, the drug dealer. Which like he should typically be the last person I want to root for, but like he's he always has everybody's best interest at heart. Mm-hmm. Um, he he wants to. I mean, he he wants to sell drugs, but like when when Rue comes and you know he can tell that she's clearly messed up. He's like, I ain't giving you drugs. And also like the guy that plays Nate is so good. It's very much one of those Joffrey situations where like I I'm gonna hate this guy and anything I see him in in the future. Like so he's dating Zendaya in real life, and I hate that just because of how good he is at being a terrible person in the show. Like like I'm I'm mad that Zendaya is dating this you know attract this attractive girl is dating this attractive guy, like because he's such a terrible person in the show. And it's like, I can't, I, I I'm wondering if he's going to be able to break out of that mm-hmm. <laughs> in the future, but gosh, every, everybody in the show is great. Uh, and Coleman Domingo in the special, God, he's excellent. Uh, he, he, he needs to win an Emmy because <laughs> he's so good. Uh, and uh, the next special comes out on the 24th. So when this yep. episode comes out, it'll be, it'll be Saturday. So yep. so there's that. And uh, I will wait to talk about WandaVision until you're done talking about the rest of your stuff since I know you didn't get a chance to watch it yet since we're recording on release day. 
and I'll be watching it right when we're done recording this, like literally right after we're done recording this. Perfect. I guess in terms of like TV, it's like there's so much content out there. And like last year was such an interesting year for me in terms of television because like two of my favorite shows now of all time ended like BoJack and The Good Place. And I watched those finales in the same night back to back and I had some feels. That'd be a rough night. But like there's so much content out there and the streaming services are pumping so many things out and kind of segueing into um, this is kind of a hot take. I don't know if it's really a hot take, but this is something that like this would be like that Peter Griffin. This really grinds my gears. Mm-hmm. It's like I try to catch up with as much new content in terms of shows and Netflix has been doing it for a long time. We are like, this is a Netflix original. I'm like, this is an international show that you just throw on here and throw that Netflix label on it. But like half the quote unquote original new content on like Peacock and HBO Max are not original shows. They just got the US distribution rights to like BBC shows or like one show that was really cool that I just watched was Arthur's Law, which is this crazy dark comedy German series on HBO Max. And like, it's a German show. Like this already ran its course in Germany. It's just like, oh, just kidding. This is an HBO Max show. I can understand that. And like, why does Peacock have to have original shows? Like, why can't, I mean, it's owned by NBC. So why can't they just keep, like, why can I only watch AP Bio season three if I have, I get the point is to get me to get Peacock, but like. Or Saved by the Bell. Yeah. Or like the Saved by the Bell reunion, whatever, like reboot, whatever it is. Like, and I don't particularly, I'm I'm not going to watch that one. I don't think, because it's not, they only have like two of the main cast returning. So why, why did they, why did NBC cancel AP Bio only to immediately move to Peacock? And like, maybe AP Bio is a little raunchy for their brand, especially being a network television. But like, why can't NBC, does NBC, what what else does NBC own? Uh, NBC Universal owns like other TV channels. Cause like, Uh, do, do they own Turner? I'm trying to think. They definitely own USA. Okay. I think AP Bio would work, work really great on FX. And I'm kind of surprised that FX didn't try to swoop in, you know, especially because they already have Glenn Howerton. Um, oh, one done. show that I was really disappointed got canceled was Venture Brothers. Mm-hmm. And I'm so hoping that HBO Max picks it up. It would be smart of them to do so. Well, because they're in talks of doing that. I'm like, please, 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 please. Because and that was another show that... Jess and I binged together and got up to the final episode. I'm like, this can't be the final episode. It can't. <laughs> no, 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 no. This has to go places after this. So those are always the most frustrating things. Like with BoJack, at least they gave him a heads up. Hey, we're canceling your show. Finish the series. BoJack's amazing. And like the last season is still great and that finale is great. But like there was more to work with there. Sure. And it didn't happen because they had to wrap it up and they canceled his um, Bob Waxberg, Bob Raphael Waxberg's other show, Tuca and Birdie, which like I enjoyed that show, got mm-hmm. canceled. But I think Cartoon Network picked it up. Another, I know another network picked it up, like yeah. Adult Swim picked it up. And it's like, I guess he just had a falling out with Netflix and they're like, goodbye. Maybe. But yeah. I know you mentioned earlier, like Netflix has their thing, like to them, they're only profitable to Netflix for like three seasons. And they're like, bye, like Sabrina. Mm -hmm. I don't think a lot of people were happy with how that show ended. (laughs) Yeah, I totally agree with your point. 
So uh, what what are the what are the other things you've been watching? So many things. Like in terms of things that I've just been keeping up with, like um, I know we talked a little bit about this. Like I've been getting through the first season of Zoe's Extraordinary Playlist, which mm-hmm. I think that's growing on me. I think it's an interesting show in terms of, like this young woman has this weird happenstance where now she can hear everybody's internal thoughts through song and dance. I'm enjoying the characters and the connections they're making. I'm enjoying that. I've really been going through like HBO and watching stuff. Like I started watching vice principles. I love that show. Oh my God. I love Danny McBride and I'll watch anything like the righteous gemstones with, I really love that show, but like, I like Vice Principals more, but yes, I like The Righteous Gemstones. Oh my god. That f- I finished the first season, and I'm like... It's so good. What? That's- that has to be one of the most shocking season finales of a show that I've watched. What? I'm like, what is going it's on It's only two here? seasons. It was always only meant to be two seasons. They were shot together. They are starkly different, and season two is a completely different show, but I'm also still entirely here for that. One of the, one of the moments I remember most laughing out loud from a show was when I was watching Vice Principals, and it's the episode where they go to the field trip uh, and they wh- they go stay in a hotel somewhere, and Danny McBride is having a conversation with the teacher that he's always trying to hit on, and uh, and, and they're like having a conversation about how like they're not supposed to be partying or like there's two kids that are unaccounted for, and you can see them in the background having sex, and <laughs> Danny was just oh no. You get out of her, and he just goes in. <laughs> it's the funniest thing. I love Danny McBride, and like Walton Goggins, I feel like is completely despicable in that show. Oh yeah, and like I, I have like I don't really feel bad for that character. Like, no. there's aspects that you're supposed to feel bad, but like Danny McBride's character, Mister Gamby, in that show is so rough around the edges. But I just love him. Well, like, he's I want to root for him. He's well-intentioned, but I hate him. But Walton Goggins is a terrible person, but I love watching him. And it's interesting because, like, I, I don't know. I, I have a stronger attachment to, I guess, Danny McBride's character because I'm like, he is well-intentioned. And, like, I just keep saying, I'm like, please get out of your own way. Yeah. Come on. Well, he's well-intentioned, but he does terrible things and he, he winds up screwing up a bunch of people's lives or calendars or agendas or something. Like, he, yeah, you're right. He gets in his own. He, he also gets in his own way, but he's just, yeah. I don't know. That's, that's a great show. I, I I've been really enjoying watching that too. And in terms of some wrapping up last minute ones, like yeah. I started watching Nora from Queens on HBO. I guess HBO Max and has Aquafina in it. Okay, and it's like very much her humor, and it's very much her show, and it's really funny. And one show that got recommended to me that I started watching, it's on Netflix, is Wentworth. I don't want to just call it Australian Orange is the New Black, but like it is about a woman in a woman's prison, but like there's a lot more crime and mystery going on in it. And it also has like a harder edge to it. Mm-hmm. Like there's some like serious stuff going down at this prison and it's a really great drama and darkly funny and like i really enjoy that so like a small little recommendation is wentworth on netflix okay yeah um i the only other thing that i really um have noted is i mean you you i I saw your review for uh transformers earthrise and i oh yeah i forgot to bring up uh war for cybertron like i'm enjoying those netflix transformer shows 
I'm in the middle of season one. It's one of those that like I watch at the gym, but I'm going to prioritize mm-hmm. like Atlanta's mur- missing murder to missing. Um, and so um, I, I, it's been a while since I've been stuck in kind of the middle of that show, but I really like the art direction. It's also like, it's a story I'm familiar with. They're doing it in just a different enough way that it's, it's captivating, but, and the art direction is, is excellent, but um, it's a story I'm familiar with because I've seen the movies and I'm, I'm aware of, you know, the, the, the old series and like I've played the war for Cybertron and follow Cybertron games, like probably four times okay. each. Like, so it's kind of the same story at least in the sh- like in the grand scheme of things. So like as for me as somebody whose only attachment at all to Transformers are the live action films. Yeah. I'm enjoying it a lot. Sure, that's fine. I, like, I, the, video, the video games War for Cybertron and Fall for Cybertron are the best part of that franchise ever. So cuz all I've wanted is less people and now I have it. Zero people. There you go. I have not seen season two. I'm still halfway through season one, but that's also one that I added to my queue. If you can see that in the notable. Nice. I need to talk about WandaVision for just a minute before I move on, uh, because the first two episodes are out and uh, I'm not going to talk about any spoilers or any, any plot things um, that happen uh, to not ruin anybody's experience. But uh, I think there's something really special about this show. Uh, I was really looking forward to it, but um, I don't know. I just I got less and less excited as we got closer for some reason. I don't really know why. Um, it was it was more so just like uh, uh, you know what if they mess it up or um, you know I intentionally didn't know much about the show and I was like okay like is this the thing I want next in the MCU after Endgame and Far From Home and uh, I gotta say I'm I'm really intrigued by it um, but I'm more intrigued by how it's made. I think it's a uh, uh, just a really interesting thing uh, to look at, like uh, um, the way that the show uses aspect ratio and color and um, the even the sound, how that kind of changes. And I, I, one of the things I've, I think I'm most impressed about the show by is how the the first episode feels very much like a, like a Dick Van Dyke, I Love Lucy kind of era, uh, but then like the whole show isn't like that, So uh, which I've been so long since I've seen the trailer, I did um, was not expecting that uh but uh the second one feels very much like a little bit more progressive uh like a like a bewitched style um a little bit a little bit later in that and so i'm just i'm excited to see um where these are gonna go and how many more like decades of uh of sitcoms that they're gonna trope uh in the past and uh so far i'm just really enjoying myself and i i can't wait to see what what comes next cool um do you have any other show any other shows you want to talk about or I think I'm good. I'm interested to talk about our uh, B plot here. Yep. Well, before we do that, real quick, I have to talk about my hot take. Um, okay. You already gave yours about original streaming show, quote unquote, original streaming shows. Uh, my hot take is uh, has to do with Freaks and Geeks. Um, okay. Did you watch Freaks and Geeks? My brother loves that show, and I feel like I watched an episode or two with him, but I've never actually sat down and watched the whole thing. Okay, I picked it up again recently because I watched it when I was either in high school or like just starting college, and it was on Netflix. It's currently not available to stream anywhere, and you can't even like buy it on like Vudu or iTunes or anything like that. Um, so it's kind of hard to get your hands on. You have to get the physical copies, but they released a Blu-ray set of it not so long ago. So I recently picked up the Blu-ray set, and I I haven't dove into it. I really appreciate the way that they're doing. They did the set, by the way, because they released the original aspect ratio and all that, but then they released a like updated 
kind of upscaled one. So you get your original if you want like the nostalgia or you could like, this looks better. Anyway, I like, I like that they did that. Uh, and then there's a bunch of special features. Um, and I remember really liking the show, but I know people call this one like a goat and like, man, like very young James Franco, very young Seth Rogen, very young Linda Cardellini, um, very young, lots of people that are like yeah. A-listers now. Cause you know, that's what Judd Apatow does. My hot take is that people talk so much about Freaks and Geeks, and I like Freaks and Geeks, but when Freaks and Geeks got canceled after a season, Judd Apatow then went on and essentially did Freaks and Geeks in college in a show called Undeclared. Have you seen that one? I have not. Okay. It stars Jay Baruchel, and again, some surprisingly like big names, and because he's Judd Apatow, he even has Adam Sandler coming in an episode, and I remember watching that because it was on Netflix as well, but when Freaks and Geeks left, so did that. That one's harder to find. That one never had a Blu-ray release, so I just bought somebody's DVDs off of, off of eBay, which is not you know super cheap for a 20-year-old show. My hot take this week is that Undeclared was a better show than Freaks and Geeks, and Freaks and Geeks is good, but gosh, I want my Blu-ray release of Undeclared. And I wish that more people recognized that show's greatness and that show's potential. So, I mean, if if you haven't seen any of them, you should watch both of them. And they're only each like 18 episodes. Um, but I, I just enjoyed Undeclared more. And it's been 10 years since I've seen them. So maybe on my rewatches, maybe I'll have a different experience. But I definitely liked Undeclared more. And I, I, pro- I think that's probably going to be the same experience again. So I'll have to check them out. It's my hot take is that Undeclared is the better of the two early Apatow shows. All right, let's do this B-plot. Um, we've kind of hinted at it a little bit. So Joseph sent us a question saying, if you could take two or more movies and make them into one long supercut film, what would it be? He thought of this after recently watching Flags of Our Fathers and Letters from Iwo Jima and feels like the two of them uh, as companion films would make quite the war epic if they were spliced together. Now, a couple uh, notes about this one is that uh, movies in the same franchise don't count. So you can't be like, well, I would edit together Rogue One and A New Hope. Like, sure, obviously. Um, they but, basically did that for you. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, you know, in theory, you can't you can't take all the Lord of the Rings one and combine them all together and then literally have just one movie. Because they're already a movie together. <laughs> you're, you're right. You're right. <laughs> you can't like also take the Hobbits and put them in front of it, which I don't know why anybody would want to. But, you know. Um, so they have to be separate franchises. Um, and, and I think, so we did this, I did this question relatively recently, uh, I think with Vincent. So I think a month ago where we talked about two movies that you would recommend a back-to-back feature. And Mm. I feel like these are essentially the same questions. So I'm going to re kind of phrase the way we think about this question, as opposed to editing two films together, as opposed to, uh, maybe the the way I thought about this question was instead of editing them together, remake two separate films as one. And you know, I'm not saying I want these films to be re- remade. But I'm saying if you know if if we're going for this the same vein of question, you know, remake two films as one. And so uh, Shane, I will let you start. I wanted to have fun with this, so uh, I had a couple ideas specifically for the nice guys. And one that I definitely have down is the nice guys with boogie nights. Cause if you've seen the nice guys, they get caught up in a whole bunch of different stuff, Mm -hmm. but just imagine they get caught up with all the drugs and pornography that's in boogie nights and all that craziness. And who comes after Dirk Diggler? 
the nice guys. <laughs> and I'm just like, they both have that vibe to them. And I would just love to see these characters interacting with each other. But what one that I thought, because like the thing is they don't take place in the same time, which this was my first thought was, I want to see the nice guys paired up with like a straight laced, more serious private investigator. It's like Chinatown, except <laughs> Jake Geddes has to deal with these two awkward, bumbling private investigators helping him with this case. <laughs> and just imagine like you have <laughs> you have John Houston in his wheelchair and like. I don't know. Russell Crowe just flips him out of his wheelchair. <laughs> and like that kind of craziness. Cause like, and Ryan Gosling somehow falls in the pond. <laughs> exactly. And he falls in and that's how he finds out about the water yeah. and everything. And Yeah. Just like that scene at Shinshadik's house. Yeah. So I thought oh, that. Body in the pool. <laughs> I can see it now. I can see it now. Now, one that's more specifically like it would be edited right before and after the other would be like the longest day in Saving Private Ryan. Sure, sure, sure. Where it's just like you make a big epic feature length version of D-Day and then the whole rest of Saving Private Ryan. Uh Uh-huh. Throw John Wayne in there. This one I was extra proud of because think about the movie Hot Fuzz. Mm Mm-hmm. They're taking down this crazy weird, huh? You're speaking my language. It's like this crazy cult that they're trying to take down in the small town, which is the plot of The Wicker Man. And just imagine Simon Pegg and Nick Frost investigating this missing girl on this island. I feel like that would be really cool. And I'm not talking about the, I'm definitely not talking about the uh, Nick Cage version. Um, talking about the original version, like Christopher Lee's in it as this like cult leader. But I thought that would be a pretty cool idea. But can, uh, what? but can Nicolas Cage still be in it? <laughs> Somehow. Uh, uh, what's in the bag? Shark or something? <laughs> How to get burned? How to get burned? How to get burned? <laughs> Killing me won't bring back your honey. <laughs> I can like I can never sit through that movie again from start to finish oh, because no. my god it's bad. But can I sit and watch Nick Cage compilation videos nonstop on YouTube? Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah. And this last one <laughs> and this was inspired by one particular scene in so like Annie Hall mm-hmm. is obviously about like the falling of a relationship and there's that whole scene where it's like they had fun with like the lobsters crawling around and like later in the film, Woody Allen's trying to like force it and try to do the same thing with like another woman with the lobsters. But what if after Annie and Woody Allen's character break up, they wind up going to the place in the lobster. And if Woody Allen doesn't find love, he's going to turn into one. And like, I don't know, like the first thing that popped in my head is like, I usually... I tried to flirt with women with lobsters and then now I'm going to be one. And like that idea popped in my head. I'm just like, I'd pay to see that. I would totally pay to see that as well. <laughs> so okay. those are mine. Good. I have a couple more than you, um, but uh, I'm going to start off with one. I'm going to start off with the serious and work, work my way to the ridiculous. Um, and I'm going to start off with the one. There's only one movie on this list that I haven't seen, uh, but I have a feeling 
Um, these would work well together. Um, and that's Doubt and Spotlight because they both tackle Ooh. the same subject matter. It would be a heavy movie. Sure but, would. But I feel like, again, not having seen Doubt, um, I feel like this, uh, it's on my list and I own it. I just have not yet gotten around to it. But I feel like these are both dealing with the same subject matter. And I love Spotlight. I think it's an excellent movie. Um, but there's not necessarily any particular story that we get attached to. Like there's not like one of these people has a history there and like, it's fine uh, Mm -hmm. because that's not the intention of the movie. And frankly, it might even make the movie feel a little bit more theatrical as opposed to biographical. But I feel like uh, having that story told would bring a little bit more of a practicality to something like spotlight, which I don't know that you necessarily need practicality because we all know somebody that, yeah, we all know somebody that's had some sort of experience or like we know of somebody who know. like, I don't, I don't making it sound like it's a widespread pandemic, you know, epidemic, you know, my um, one big request for your film is to make sure that Roger Deacon shoots it. Okay. Because he, he shot doubt. Actually, and actually Roger Deacons is cinema is uh, doing the DP on all of these movies. <laughs> all of them. Every single one of them. Even the Annie Hall and the lobster one. <laughs> I don't know. I love Roger Deakins. I think Yorgos Lanthimos's uh, DPs for his films have it covered because they're pretty well shot. But like, yeah, I'd have Deakins shoot any movie that I would ever want to make. That's true. Um, <laughs> let's see. Let's let's go with another um, serious one. I, I think this one's just a given, but I think you do Eight Man Out and Field of Dreams. And just like we were talking about Rogue One, man, you, you, all you have to do is put them back to back. You don't necessarily need to like intersplice them at all. Uh, that's just a given. Uh, another one that to me is a given is rope and compulsion because uh, compulsion is the real life story of Leopold and Loeb's killing of a person because they believe they were a higher class. Compulsion is the story of them right after doing that um, and the trial and the subsequent trial, whereas rope is a movie that is based off of the act that is slightly different. Well, I mean, and very but but it's very it, it, it's based off of the same case so again if i'm remaking these as one i just i make them one movie except i make either the trial match the the fictionalized scenario or i make it just completely biographical there's that another kind of one that seems i mean i i wanted to get the untouchables in there i didn't know which one i wanted to to put with it but uh i decided to go with road to perdition i thought about scarface the original scarface uh, that mm-hmm. actually followed al capone's life and i even at one point had put in there oh i think it was la confidential um yes. but yes, i mean you would, you would have across across the nation different stories uh, and even following different gangsters but i feel like still having the al capone connection from road to perdition would be good and again probably most of road to perdition would have to take place before the untouchables uh you, you could also substitute road to perdition for um the saint valentine's day massacre which mm-hmm. i haven't seen uh, it's on my list. They deleted a scene from Road to Perdition with Al Capone in it. Oh, okay. So, and who I know he's definitely referenced a lot. He they he overacted. Okay, and fell out of place. It was kind of like a. It was so over the top. It was silly kind of portrayal, and didn't fit the vibe of Road to Perdition because, like, it's a serious dour film. Sure. So like, but like, I could definitely see that connection. Well, and I even think you could potentially even do this with something like Lawless. I mean, you'd have to make it a little bit more specifically Capone, but yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, something like that. Obviously, The Untouchable is still the end game. Um, another one I thought of is uh, is I would do uh, Bodied and Eight Mile because these are both rap battles. 
Although B-Rabbit and the main character from Body both come from very different places and have almost opposite arcs because B-Rabbit kind of moves his way up in the game and he becomes a top dog and you root for him the whole way. But the character in Bodied is your main character and he definitely moves his way up the food chain, but in doing so has become like his closest friendships he's wound up burning and you you don't really want to root for him at the end. So I feel like there's a nice juxtaposition that you could work in there. And frankly, I'd love to see a B-Rabbit versus... I can't remember the... Adam is the guy's name. I'd love to see a B-Rabbit versus Adam climax. I liked Bodied a lot. When I watched that, I'm like, I was not expecting this. Yeah. I, I love Bodied. I think 8 Mile's fine. But uh, I love Bodied. So, all right. Now, uh, we'll move a little bit slightly into the half-joking, half-realistic. Uh, half I think partly is these these movies are very similar. Um, mm-hmm. I would I would mix uh, and one of these is going to be biographical and it's not. I would mix Joker and Man on the Moon because with Man on the Moon with Andy Warhol's kind of comedy style, Andy Warhol, right? Andy Kaufman. Andy Kaufman. Andy Warhol's yeah. the fashion designer. Andy with Andy Kaufman's comedy style, I feel like that's something you could realistically turn into the beginning of Joker as opposed to some of the more mental health, you know, kind of issues that Joker tries to play. I, I think I think that would be a fascinating combo. Yeah, maybe I don't know. It's interesting because it'd be it'd feel even more like King of Comedy. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So, so Joker and Man on the Moon. Um, I would I would try to mix. I also picked the nice guys, but I thought That's I went the, I went completely opposite of of Chinatown where you mix them with a very serious person, and I said let's put the nice guys together with none other than MacGruber, and <laughs> just because. Just because I'm dying to see Will Forte in in the tri- and make up a trio for that. Oh my um, god! Because I was thinking, how can I place MacGruber in somewhere that would be fun? And like the nice guys already has that Shane Black kind of humor, but if you let him, like having MacGruber in there would make even Ryan Gosling seem competent. So <laughs> just just, uh, just blow up a whole entire truck full of pro wrestlers. Well, and so, so here, so here's the two things that intrigued me the most about this. One is you would have the the relationship that Russell Crowe has with Ryan Gosling, except it would be both of them versus Will Forte this time, but the same reactions. And the other one is I want to see the way that Will Forte reacts with uh, Angry Rice, Gosling's daughter, in the Nice Guys, because that that sounds priceless. So priceless. That's, that's what I did. Uh, another joking answer that, uh, gosh, I'm I'm really interested in is. <laughs> I told Shane I wanted to do this before I did, but we're gonna we're gonna put together the Passion of the Christ and Monty Python's Life of Brian. <laughs> I mean, oh like, my! It's not much of a stretch because Brian like encounters Jesus along the way sometimes, but Passion of the Christ is mostly fixated on one event, and <laughs> it'd just be interesting. Something that popped in my head along the same lines. It's like Life of Brian. And Ben Hur, yeah, oh, so, yeah, something like and that. You you just find Charlton Heston coming upon Graham Chapman and somehow <laughs> being inspired to believe in God again. Yep. <laughs> oh, and the very last one I'll put is two of my favorite horror comedies of all time. But I want to put Tucker and Dale versus Evil in the scenario of the Cabin in the Woods. I just rewatched Tucker and Dale versus Evil. That was such an well, actually, both of them are such unexpected movies. Yes. You go in with this whole laundry list of expectations for these films, and they just flip the table on you. One hundred percent. 
Yep. So that's uh, that's the ones that I came up with. Um, I really I really had a lot of fun with that because I was like, oh, I definitely did too. Some of them were like, okay, well, how can we give a little bit more context to the Untouchables? Not that it needs more, but how can we give a little bit more like realistic? Spend a little bit more time with Capone being Capone. But then also like, how can I put MacGruber in a situation? <laughs> so. Oh gosh. Anyway, uh, last thing we got to do here, we got to do the spinoff that, uh, you know, the, the, the prompt here says, what's that one thing in pop culture you want to tell everybody to watch or avoid, but Shane, can I do three and do them very quickly? Go right ahead. Okay. Here's, here's why I want to, I, I need, I feel like I need to talk about these three is that I'm finally playing star Wars Knights of the old Republic. Mm-hmm. And I just want to say like, as somebody who had no experience with it, if you've never experienced it and are afraid that because it's an older game, you can't get into it. Let me assure you, you can. This game's awesome. You should get into it. You can find it on Steam, I'm sure, or PC. I'm playing it on Xbox because it's backwards compatible. So pick up Kodor. Um, it, it's it's awesome. The other one is the Night at the Museum trilogy uh, because me and my wife recently watched these because we were having oh, a nice. after watching Robin's Wish. We kind of had a knock to it. And I had never seen the third one. And my experience with the, I saw the first one a lot and mm-hmm. I saw the second one once in theaters and I hated it. My experience now is that the first one is great, but a lot of it's nostalgia. I, I mean, it's a good movie, but none of it was necessarily original to me. I really liked the second one this time though. And it has a bunch of A-listers in it. And the third one's just kind of okay. But like, I promise this trilogy is better than you remember it being. So. Like I like Hank Azaria and, and like Christopher Guest as like these like evil historical figures are so great. Like right. I remember loving watching those first two. And like there's always that like little thing of like getting to see Mickey Rooney and Dick Van Dyke yeah. in a movie with the first one and stuff like that. And like but yeah Robin Williams is uh Teddy Roosevelt. Well so you add you add your original cast from the first one, but you also add Hank Azaria as Common Rot and you add um, Amy Adams as Amelia Earhart. Yeah. Chris- for guests is Ivan the Terrible. Um, let's see. You got Bill Hader as Custer. Um, John oh Bernthal. God, yeah. John Bernthal as Al Capone. Um, oh my God, that was John Bernthal. Was John Bernthal right. You got, uh, you got Jonah Hill playing a security guard in the very yeah. beginning of the movie. Um, you got Jay Baruchel playing uh, Joey Motorola from the flashbacks. Uh, Mindy Kaling plays a, a, a person that works there. Craig Robinson, yeah. one of the tux- t- yeah. Tuskegee Airmen. The Tuskegee Airmen. Yeah. <laughs> and they George just walk around. <laughs> George Foreman plays himself. Um, like, there's there's a lot of fun people in this movie. Um, I can't believe that was John Bernthal. Right. Well, and the Jonas Brothers as the Cherubs. And Eugene Levy as uh, as Albert Einstein. Like, yeah. There's a lot of fun people in this movie. And so, if I had to pick one to watch, I would pick Battle of Smithsonian again. So. Mm-hmm. That was a standout, and the last one is I want to pump. Uh, I want to pimp my friend uh, Robert's song. Robert, th- we're recording on Friday, January fifteenth, and my friend Robert released a song on Apple, Amazon, Spotify, all that good stuff. Um, he's actually working on putting together some some new intro music for the writers' room, uh, and uh, he so he released a new song today. It's called "Love Goes On," and Robert is uh, his genre style is very much like Ben Rectory. Um, but also a little bit of John Mayer thrown in there and maybe a little bit of like John Foreman of Switchfoot thrown in there. Um, those are his three biggest influences. If I'm kind of surprised. Like, if this song is produced well enough that I, I feel like it could be a radio hit. Um, it could be a popular hit. I, I, whether or not it will be, I don't know, because 
you know, he, this is like the first song he's ever put out. Well, second song he's ever put out, but like, this is great. I really hope you check it out. It's called love goes on uh, by Robert Evans, E B B E N S, especially if you like Ben Rector type music. Um, so I wanted to throw a little shout out to my friend, Robert, but uh, Shane, what's, what's that thing that you want to talk about? Wolf walkers. Okay. Wolf walkers, wolf walkers. <laughs> so this was my number one film of 2020. I adored this film and I will go to bat for cartoon saloon to anybody because they've made some of my favorite animated films of all time with the secret of Kells song of the sea, the breadwinner and now wolf walkers. It is gorgeous. It's moving. It has some like the antagonist in it has some, influences of like Frollo from like Hunchback of Notre Dame in it, which I could always appreciate as somebody who absolutely loves Hellfire, favorite Disney song, interesting choice. But like Wolf Walkers is beautiful and moving. It, it has so many different aspects to it that brings to the table and like it's on Apple TV plus good for them. Oh, yeah. and I'm, I, I'm hoping Laika finds a place like cartoon saloon at this point because i don't think Leica is going to be able to move forward theatrically seeing mm. as uh the missing link did not make money but like it made me happy that cartoon saloon's getting like a big platform and i think that's the nice thing about sh- these streaming services for smaller companies can get a wider platform to be able to show their work so go check out wolf walkers I 100% second that. Wolf Walkers is great, and it's refreshing to see an excellent 2D animation movie that's really well voice casted as well. So, Sean Bean. There you go, Sean Bean. <laughs> <laughs> that's a wrap. Quick reminder that Civ Pop Rider's Room is part of the Studio DNA Network. You can check out other great shows at studiodna.media. If you're interested in writing for CivPop.com or you want to get in contact with us, maybe send us to a, que- a question to explore during the B plot, then you can email us at writersroom at CivPop.com. Uh, that email link should be in your uh, description feed. Uh, if you want to support the show, help us with costs we pay for out of pocket, such as fees, equipments, and rentals, you can Venmo me at Schweikastle. Um, or get in contact with me that I can send you a PayPal address. Uh, please don't leave, forget to leave us a review on iTunes. It helps out the show more than you would ever know. Uh, and you can go ahead and find me on Letterboxd at Schweikastle as well. But Shane, also also quick little promotion for Shane on his uh, YouTube channel, which he'll give you a little bit about. We did an interview uh, about a month ago. Um, that was, it was just a lot of fun doing. Uh, and I got to talk a little bit more about like my love for the nice guys and, and lots of other various different things that we just don't have time for on the show. I mean, we always have time for more nice guys love on the show, but <laughs> there's that. So, but where, where can people, uh, find you? Where can people can connect to you and where can people, uh, talk about all the movies with you since you watch all of them? <laughs> Obviously the big one is check out Sif Pop. I wind up doing a lot of like specifically most of the things that I do are reviews for new films. So I'm always keeping active with that. My YouTube channel, I am the wasteland reviewer. So go check me out there on YouTube. I've been doing this since 2000, August, 2016. I'm so close to, I have 195 subscribers now going to throw a party when I crack that 200. I review so many different shows and movies, but some of the things I like to plug on there, I have my little podcast. Like right now, I just have it on YouTube. I haven't put it on any actual like places where podcasts pop up, but it's the Development Hell podcast. I do it with my friend Matt and Alex. So we have a topic every other week. And then I 
really am pushing my Lost in the Wasteland show, which Aaron joined, where I interview people on their perspective on film. So if you're interested, contact me. I'm on Instagram. I'm the Wasteland Reviewer on Instagram and Facebook. I have a page on there as well. I do have a Twitter. Basically, I just share stuff and then like everybody's stuff from Sith Pop on there. That's the main thing that I do on Twitter. And I do have a letterbox. So go check it out. So yeah. Awesome. That's my stuff. Great. Well, hey, Shane, it's been awesome getting to chat about all sorts of things with you today. Uh, it's been really great. Appreciate your time. Absolutely. I love being on here. So I always keep coming back. Good. Well, uh, that that's it. So until next time, thanks for checking out your... Wait, wait, hold on. That's the wrong outro. Uh, we're going with... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I have it down for T. <laughs> That's all, uh, Shane. As always, you know. Uh, next next week, I'm talking about TV. Actually, I don't know who I'm talking with TV. I'm talking with somebody about TV next uh, next month. I'm talking with Robert about some goats. We're doing Rocky and Quiz Show next week, and uh, lots lots of fun stuff coming up. So make sure you come back uh, week after week. Hit that subscribe button if you haven't already. But uh, in the meantime, Shane, you know we got to get back to the writers' room. <laughs>